turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And we're looking, I want you to look at verse 35. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, 35, Paul lays out the two most common questions regarding the resurrection of believers. And as we've been studying 1 Corinthians 15, some of you even have asked these questions. Because whenever you get, you start talking about the resurrection, these are two of the most common questions. It was true 2,000 years ago in Corinthian, Corinth, Corinth, and it's true today in the 21st century here in Kansas City. And so in 1 Corinthians 15... Verse 35, we have two of the most common questions regarding the resurrection of believers. And let's read verse 35. I want you to see it in your Bible, and then I'll, uh, we'll break down what are the two questions. But someone will say, how are the dead raised, and with what kind of body do they come? There's your two questions. First one, how are the dead raised up? How are the dead raised up? And the second question is, what kind of bodies? What kind of bodies will we have? And we're all thinking, hopefully, better than the one I've got, right? Okay? Questions about our bod from God. That's what we want to look at this morning. Now, look in your, um, look in your notes there. You have a chart. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 kind of divides in two halves, and we've been looking at the first half. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 34 are are focused on, are the dead raised? The fact of the resurrection. Are the dead raised? In fact, dead is used 11 times. The dead are referred to as rising up 13 times in the first half of this chapter. But in the next half of the chapter, the cha the, and it divides at verse 35, the half of the book, uh, the half of the chapter that we're going to study from here on out is asking how are the dead raised and with one, what kind of body. The focus from here on out is on the body of the resurrection. And body is used ten times, which was not even used at all in the first half of the chapter. The body is referred to as rising up three times in the latter half of these verses, 35 through 58. But one thing ties this whole chapter together. It seems that when Paul talks about resurrection in this chapter, he can't help but talk about a harvest analogy. The big illustration in the first half of the chapter is Christ is the first fruits of the harvest, and then later comes our harvest of our resurrection. But in the second half, he's going to take that farming picture of harvesting and he's going to apply it to how are the dead raised and what kind of bodies. And he's going to focus on, on putting a seed in the ground and how it sprouts up later after it's been buried, so to speak. Now, what I want you to see in these two questions, how are the dead raised and what, are, what kind of bodies, the issue is not just dying, but how dying impacts our bodies and the implication for a bodily resurrection. And that's where our questions come up. Our questions come up when we think about death and our bodies and what happens to your body before you die, as you die, if you're sick, cancer, accident, dismemberment by a bizarre serial killer, whatever. It raises questions. Here's some of the questions maybe you've thought about. What about the body of a person that's cremated and their ashes are scattered? 
How are they going to be resurrected with a body? People ask these questions. What about the body of a believer that's kidnapped, buried, where no one, no one can find them? And, or, or like I said, a, a, gr- a grisly murder. And that does happen where, where body parts are you know, cut up. What about all of our bodies? Because it doesn't have to be something as gruesome as, as a dismemberment. The fact is, every body disintegrates into dust and ashes and molecules. How does God raise a body? Is that even possible? How, how does he do that? Because here, here's the difference. You say, why were they all hung up on death and body? Because Jesus was only dead three days. His body didn't disintegrate. His body wasn't dismembered. His body wasn't cremated. So, okay, yeah, Jesus raised. They believe that. But, but what about believers whose bodies become a dead corpse. How does God raise the dead and with what kind of body? And when you think about your resurrection body, there's a lot of other questions we have, right, too. For instance, are we going to recognize one another? Are we going to look the same? You know, am I going to finally, you know, some of you are thinking, am I going to finally get the body I always wanted? Right? Haven't we all kind of thought about that? And as you age, you're like, it has to be better. It has to get better than this. Other questions are, what age are we going to be? Right? What age are we going to What about a baby that dies? And what about uh, uh, a 15-year-old believer that dies? Are, are they going to be resurrected as a 15-year-old? So the questions are endless when you start thinking about a resurrection body. What kind of body? Well, while the questions are endless... The answers in 1 Corinthians 15 are limited. Limited to what God wants us to know. Here's the good news. The Bible doesn't answer all our questions, but it answers the questions we should be asking, and it gives us the answers we must have that are most important. Okay? And so basically, it kind of comes down to this. If i got a question, and it's not really covered in the Bible, then God's basically saying, don't sweat it. Don't worry about that. Concentrate on what I have. So we're going to look at this passage. Now, Paul is getting to the core issue of the Corinthians when he addresses the resurrection body in, in these verses. They had so emphasized... The present spiritual resurrection in Christ. They had so, you know, we're risen in Christ, biblical truth. But they had so emphasized the now of being spiritually raised that they were denying the possibility of a future bodily resurrection in the not yet, in the future. They had so spiritualized the present kingdom of Christ, the, the, the fact that Christ is risen and, at the, and exalted to the right hand of the Father and, and He has all authority in heaven and on earth, they had so spiritualized the present kingdom that they were denying the need of a body in a future kingdom and in a future new creation, the not yet. And then sadly, they had so minimized the present natural bodies and it's easy to look down on our bodies, right? They're, they're, they're dying. They're diseased or they're susceptible to disease. And here's the bad news this morning. You're decaying as we speak. Okay, so, you know, look, so look to your neighbor and say, you look pretty good for a decaying body, you know. And, uh, and they're subject to death. And, uh, you know, the only people that want to keep their present body are under 20. 
Am I, am I, am I right? You know, the only people that say, you know, you know man, I, I wish I had this forever are people, because anybody certainly over 40 is looking for a resurrection body. Am I, can I hear an amen? Oh, yeah. amen. All right. Yeah, as Jeff has operation on his knee. So they had so minimized the importance of the present physical body in its weakness and in its and in its um, its ability to decay and get disease that they were denying the possibility of a spiritual resurrection body that would be suited for living in the presence of the glory of God. In other words, they were looking at God and His greatness and His glory and His holiness, and they were looking at their sinful, broken, diseased, decaying body and saying, why would we want a body in the presence of of Him in the future? You know, we're spirit beings. We're, We're in Christ and and we don't need these things. And so he's, he's addressing this. So when he brings up this question, these two questions in verse 35, he's not just answering questions out of curiosity. You know, often we just sit around and ask questions like, wonder what our resurrection body is going to be like. He's actually overcoming objections. What they are saying is, look, when a body dies, disintegrates, you know, cremated, scattered, there's no way. You know, how can God raise that up? And that is a question that not only confused believers, but unbelievers ask, right? And then they were also saying, besides, what kind of body could exist in the presence of God? You know, we, we don't need this physical body to, to uh, connect with God. And so he's overcoming objections to our dead, decaying corpses being raised up to live in the presence of a holy God in a coming kingdom. So let's look at Paul's answers. Paul does have answers, and he does it in two ways. This uh, We're going to look at verses 36 through 50 today. 36 through 50, and it divides up into two parts. He gives illustrations to answer the questions from the old creation. So he looks at the present creation and he says, I'm going to pull out two big illustrations, two main illustrations, and show you how the dead are raised and with what kind of body. And then from verses 45 to 50, he's going to look at the new creation in Christ and he's going to further explain what kind of bodies we're going to have. So let's dig in. Let's look at the verses. Let's first of all look at illustrations from the old creation. What is Paul doing? Answers to the most common questions about our bod from God. Illustrations from the old creation. Verses 36 and 44. So get in your Bibles and let's follow along as we read verses 35 through 44. But someone will say, How are the dead raised? You know, think of them saying it with skepticism and questioning. And with what kind of body do they come? And here's Paul. You know, he hadn't hadn't taken the political correctness course yet on ministry. You fool! That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Farming illustration. Sowing seed. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as He wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh, 
But there's one flesh of men, and another flesh of beasts, and another flesh of birds, and another of fish. In a sense, he's saying flesh there, a material body. All God's creatures got bodies, but they're different bodies, suited for different purposes. There is also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly one and the glory of the earthly is another. When he's talking here heavenly, he's talking about bodies of planets and stars. Because notice in verse in um, verse 41, there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. And then he applies those illustrations to the resurrection body. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body, but it's raised an imperishable body. It's sown or buried in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown or buried in weakness. It's raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. You Corinthians who are denying that there could ever be a body to be resurrected. So let's, let's break this down. The first illustration that you see in these verses is this. The illustration of a seed being sown yet sprouting up as the same but different. That's the key. His first illustration is you sow a seed, it's sown in the ground as a seed, but it sprouts up as the same thing but different. The same but different. That's the first illustration. So, take a look at this. Look at the first question, objection that is answered. The first question and objection that's answered. How are the dead raised? His answer is verse 36. So, look at verse 36. Here's the answer. You fool, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. What's his point? Here's the principle. Death is not the end of a believer's body, but a logical transition to a new one. A logical transition. He's saying, look, death doesn't get in the way of resurrection. How can you resurrect unless you die? Death isn't a problem. It's a logical bridge and transition to resurrection. Rather than getting in the way of resurrection, death, just like planting a seed in the ground, is almost a necessary necessity in order to be right. How do you rise from the dead if you don't die? This is not a problem, is what he's saying. Now, here's the illustration. Just as a seed doesn't grow unless it, too, buries and dies, you're not going to be resurrected as a believer unless you die and are buried in the ground, sown, so to speak. So the illustration is something that's probably common to everybody here. You've done it, and you've probably done it with your kids. Remember when you went to school, and you were given a styrofoam cup and dirt in it, and you put a seed in it? How many have done that? How many have done it? Yeah, we've all done a universal experience here in America, right? And you put it in, and is that thing going to grow if you don't? I mean, have you ever done that and forgot to put a seed in a styrofoam? And you kept watering it, and you kept watering it, and what happens? Does anything rise up? No, why? Because it didn't bury it, you didn't sow it, and you didn't bury it, and it didn't die. And in a sense, does the seed die? Yeah, in a sense, it ceases to be that seed but it sprouts up. It, it, it just A seed doesn't grow unless it's buried and dies. And you're not going to resurrect unless you die. It's not a problem for God. Now, what came up when you put that seed in that styrofoam cup? Whatever you sowed 
you reaped. Whatever seed you buried is what was raised. And that's, it was the same seed, but did it look just like the seed that you put in? No. It, but it was it still the same thing? I mean, if you put a watermelon seed in, what, do, what comes out? Watermelon. But does what come out look like what went in? No. Same but different. What kind of body are you going to have? It's going to be your body. It's going to be the same body, but it's going to look different. Listen. The same thing comes up that you put down unless the packet was mislabeled. How many of you have ever had that? You ever had mislabeled things? Or you had a packet and you didn't know what it was? How do you figure out what a seed is when you don't know what it is? You plant. Why? Because whatever you put in, even if you don't know what it is, whatever you put in, what's going to come up? Whatever you put in. So you don't put in a watermelon seed and get grow pumpkins. And you know what? When you get buried and you rise up, you're not going to come up as me. Now say amen. But the, the good news is, I'm not going to come up as you. And I say amen. Because when I go down, I'm going to come up, but I'm going to be different. Now, the first question has been answered. How are the dead raised? You fool, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Death is not the end of the believer's body, but a logical transition to a new one. And Paul's saying, look, you fools, look at farming. Look at your styrofoam cup experiment. It's the same principle. Now, Paul's not done. He will now answer the second question in verse 37. Here's the second question. With what kind of body do they come? And here's verse 37. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or something else. Now, here's the principle. Are you ready? Decay of a believer's body is not a problem. Because resurrection is a transformation to a new, a different kind of body. Resurrection is a transformation to a different kind of body. Now, here's the illustration again. Just like you put a bare seed. I mean, when you put a, a pumpkin seed in the ground, does it look like a pumpkin? But it is a pumpkin. But when it grows up and sprouts, does it look like a pumpkin then? Yes, it is a pumpkin. So, it's the same thing, but different. In a different form, a different kind of body. The seed is the same, but it looks different. The seed you sow doesn't look like the plant that comes up. And yet, still the same seed, it's still the same seed. And yet, it's, it's much better than a bare seed, right? Which would you... I mean, you both are needed, right? If you want pumpkins, what do you have to have? Pumpkin seeds. And you can eat pumpkin seeds, but it's much better to eat a pumpkin pie, right? And so, it, I'm glad I have a body. It's very important to being a human. But you know what's going to be much better? My resurrection body. Don't grieve the loss of this body. You're going to get it back new and improved. It's a bod from God. This one is too, but this is like... You know, this model, and you're going to get the new and improved model. I mean, somebody should be saying amen at this point, right? I mean, are you guys... Listen, this is... 
This is our problem. We're not looking forward to the future. We're grieving over the present, and we're doing all the cosmetic stuff, which I hope you do. Ladies, if you need to paint the barn, paint it. You know, guys, uh, work out. Do your best. Take care of yourself. But listen, don't obsess. Don't worship. Don't idolize. Because the best bod is yet to come. Now, can I get an amen on that? All right. Wow, there's like a whole theological discussion going over here. All right. I don't, and I don't even want to know, ladies. I don't even want to know. All right. Now, our present body is just a bare seed from which our resurrection body will, will come. Now, listen, when you bury a, a pump, when you want to plant a pumpkin seed, you don't plant a pumpkin. You plant a bare seed. And all you need is a bare seed to get a whole pumpkin vine. Are you with me? Now, here's the modern illustration. He's in an agricultural day. We're in a technological day. That doesn't make us smarter. It makes us different. So here's the illustration. All God needs is one strand of your DNA to reproduce your body and transform it into a glorified resurrection body. Decay is not a problem. Cremation is not a problem. And I'm not recommending one or the other, burial over cremation. That's a whole other discussion we can have. But my point is, nothing can happen to your body that God can't find that one DNA, that one cell, that one molecule, and reproduce you, but transform you into you but different. Identity with a difference. We will know each other, but it will be different, and it will be better. The same body yet different. The same thing can exist in different ways and yet still be the same thing. That's the point of the sowing the seed illustration. This explains how one body can be buried as one kind of body, yet be raised to life as another kind of body, but still be the same body. I just gave you great theology right there. That is the theology of the resurrection. You can be buried with one kind of body and be raised with another kind of body and have it be the same body. Just like you put a pumpkin seed and it comes out looking different, but it's still a pumpkin. All right, second question has been answered. With what kind of body do they come? That which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or something else. Decay of a believer's body is not a problem because resurrection is a transformation. Death is a transition. Resurrection is a transformation. That's his point. Verse 38, he further illustrates both answers kind of with, with this bottom line principle. Both answers are further illustrated by this point. The Creator is in charge of who gets what kind of body and why. Okay, so we're not going to be... We don't die, go to heaven, and then make suggestions on what kind of bodies we're going to get. Sorry, ladies. You know, that, uh, that's not an option. Who's in charge of the kind of body we get? God does. And you know what? We can trust Him with it. We're trusting Him with our salvation. Let's trust Him with the kind of body we're going to have. Amen? All right? Hannah and Noelle are getting an education over there. Uh, you know, there's some things, ladies, you can learn, on, you know, outside of college. You know, sometimes you just got to be with, uh, with uh, older women there. More, I'm sorry, more mature women. Uh, 
it's getting wild. Okay, here, look at verse 38. Look at verse 38. But God gives it, listen, here's the principle. God gives it a body just as He wished, and to each one of the seeds a body of its own. Now, there, here's the principle. As the Creator, God gets to give everything a body uniquely designed for its own purpose and place in creation. He gets to decide what a pumpkin's going to look like. He gets to decide what a watermelon's going to look like. And he gets to decide what we're going to look like to function in the new creation. How cool is that? And since we don't really know a lot about the new creation, I don't think we're ready to really understand what kind of bodies we're going to have. You know, it makes sense. We know it's going to be glorious. We know it's going to be in God's, uh, in God's presence. And guess what? We're going to have a body suited for that. That's the rest of what he's going to share here. Now, in verse, uh, in verse 38, he's now suggested this idea of differing kinds of bodies. And that's the second illustration. The illustration of different kinds of bodies designed for different purposes and places. That's the next illustration. You say, how are we going to be raised? And more importantly, what kind of bodies? He's going to illustrate that there are different kinds of bodies in this old creation, in this present day, this present creation that we live in, and they are designed for different purposes and places. So in verses 39, let's look at verses 39 through 44. This is his point in verses 39 through 44. And he starts drawing illustrations from the entire creation. And basically saying, look, Corinthians, God's already making different bodies in this present creation. Do you think he's got a problem with making them for the new creation? No. Okay? So let's take a look at it. This is really cool. Number one, the bodies of living things on earth are designed for different purposes and places. The bodies of living things on earth are designed for different purposes and places. This is the point of verse 39. Take a look at verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh. What he's saying is all material makeup, all basically physical bodies are not exactly the same. But there is one kind of body of men and another kind of body of beasts and another kind of birds, and another kind of fish. Basically, he's covering every living material thing on the planet, and he says each one has a body designed by the Creator for its purpose and place in creation. How cool is that? Now, what's he saying? They have differing bodies that match their mode of existence. All God's, all God's creatures have bodies made up of material flesh, cells, DNA. But each one has a body designed that is suited for their purpose and place in creation. Human bodies are suited to rule over this creation. We walk upright. We have brains. and you know We are suited for ruling. That's why we can put a man on the moon. That's why we can send an orbiter to Mars, because we have bodies that are suited for ruling over creation, whereas animal bodies are suited for roaming over the earth, digging into holes, you know, living up high in the mountains. Bird bodies are suited to soar in the air. 
and fish bodies are suited to swim in the waters. God designs bodies for specific purposes so that they can live in specific places. Isn't that beautiful? Next time you look at creation, think about the bodies. Next time you watch National Geographic Channel, next time you see some beautiful pictures of animals or pet your own, uh, enjoy your own pet, your pet fish, your pet bird, and your pet dog, they all have different bodies made by their creator for different purposes to exist in different places. But then he goes on, he says, the, he moves on, number two, to the bodies on earth and bodies in heaven are designed to reflect different kinds of glory. So he takes us from the earth and he lifts our thinking to the heavens. And he says, hey, there's bodies here on earth that have a certain glory, but there's bodies in heavens, the stars, the planets, the sun, the moon, and those bodies reflect an even greater glory. Look at verse 40. There are also heavenly bodies. And by that, he doesn't mean angels. He's referring to the planets and the stars. But the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. Paul's lifting our gaze from thinking about what is earthly to thinking about what is heavenly in the space and in the cosmos. By getting us to compare how planet and stars have bodies suited to exist in the heavens, while the bodies of all things on earth are suited for life on the planet. But he adds this idea of greater glory. What is above has a greater glory. Earthbound bodies reflect earthly glory, and heavenbound bodies reflect heavenly or, or uh, cosmic glory. Here's the point. The human body can be a beautiful thing, and it, it's, it's fabulous. A beautiful racehorse is a beautiful thing to behold. It has glory. The human body has glory. A racehorse body has glory. But I'm telling you what, when you look up to the sky, or you see a sunset, or you see a sunrise, or you see a full moon, there's a glory of these heavenly bodies that is different and in some ways more glorious. Are you with me? You know, Rick uh, gets up to write, drive a bus, so he'll send send me uh, pictures of sunrises. But then he quit doing that because it didn't do justice, so he just tells me about them. I'm like, that's great, Rick. I'm glad you saw that. I, I'm not seeing it, you know. And, uh, and, and it's a beautiful glory, isn't it? It's a great glory. I remember when I was, uh, the first time I, I went to Brazil, and we were at a camp out, and there was no street lights, no lights. And I looked up, and, the, and first of all, that's just amazing if you've ever done that. But what was even amazing, we were on the southern hemisphere, and you looked up and you didn't recognize anything. You know, but it, there's just a glory for that. So what he's saying is, look, earthly bodies have a certain glory that they reflect, but so do the planets and the stars. Then he goes, number three, the bodies in heavens, the body in the heavens, these stars, these planets, are designed to reflect different degrees of glory. Different degrees of glory. That's verse 41. So now that he's got us from thinking earthly to thinking in, in, heavenly in space, he says, verse 41, There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. Now, what's he saying? That even though cosmic bodies reflect 
a different glory than earthly bodies. When you look at the glory of the sun, it's different than the glory of the moon. The sun has its own power, its own energy, its own fire. But the moon is a dead plant or a dead object that only reflects, but it's beautiful, isn't it? And then a, a, a shooting star doesn't have the same glory as the sun or the moon. Every object in space has a body and it's glorious to behold. But the glory of the sun is different from the glory of the full moon. And the glory of the full moon is different from the glory of a shooting star. This explains why our present bodies must be transformed. Listen to me. In order to live under a new set of conditions, we're not going to just be earthly. But heaven is going to come to earth, and we're going to live in the heavenly realm. Therefore, we need a body that can live in the heavenly realm. Not only that, but we're going to live in the presence of God. And that means we're going to reflect the glory of God. And right now, this body would be toast in the presence of God. It wouldn't reflect. It would be burned to a toasty crisp. But we're going to have bodies that can exist in the presence of God and reflect the glory of God. And our bodies are going to be glorious, but our glory is going to be different than His glory because we aren't the Son of God. Do you see what he's, where he's trying to get? And he's also saying this, because of the judgment seat of Christ, some of us receive the crown of glory and some aren't. Well, we're all going to have a glorious body, but some of our bodies are going to reflect a greater glory because of the service. These folks that went as counselors, if they did it with the right motives, and they did it by faith in God and not for self-promotion, they are getting crowns of glory, and their glorified bodies will have more glory for having served and sacrificed, sweated and stank up the place at camp with, with kids that stunk even worse than they did. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's what he's trying to say. He said, look, there's all the glory in the heavens, but there's differing degrees of glory because... There's only one sun, the Son of God, but you can be a moon. But in a sense, the size of your reflection of God's glory is dependent on your service here. 1 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 5 teaches that. What's Paul trying to get us to see? Two things. With the seed illustration, the stress is on resurrection and continuity with diversity. In other words, we're the same thing, but different. With the different kinds of bodies illustration, the stress is on resurrection and suitability with variety. We're going to have a body that's resurrected and suited for living in the glory of God and reflecting the glory of God. But there's going to be diversity in how we do that. Now, Paul applies both illustrations to our resurrection body in verses 42 through 44. He says, okay, enough of talking about the physical creation. Let's talk about our resurrection bodies. Look at verse 42 through 44. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised imperishable. It is sown, meaning buried, in dishonor due to death and sin. But it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. Otherwise, you wouldn't be dying. But it's raised in power. It will never die again. It is sown a natural body. But it is raised a spiritual body. And by spiritual, he doesn't mean like it's a spirit being floating. You know, made of inanimate. I can't even say it. Nothing that's of substance. You know, it's like spirit. 
He's saying, no, the natural body was not inclined to following the things of God. The natural body didn't listen to the Spirit of God unless you disciplined it. But we're going to have a spiritual body that is delights in the things of the Spirit and responds to, oh, won't that be glorious? A body built to respond to the Spirit. Wow. And so here's your illustrations. His point is, the dead in Christ are in transition to a transformation. So here's the transition. Verse 42, sown in corruption. Here's the transformation, raised in incorruption. Here's the transition, sown in dishonor, death, disease. Here's the transformation, raised in glory, glory, honor, and praise. Here's the transition, sown or buried in weakness, susceptible to disease, susceptible to cancer, susceptible to imperfections, susceptible to being broken and hurt in need of operation, but raised in power, perfection, never never diseased, never to die. Sown a natural body, susceptible to natural forces, raised a spiritual body, responsive to the Spirit, Isn't that beautiful? That's the kind of body... Listen, the kind of body we have is on the left side right now. The kind of body we're going to have is on the right side. And notice what Paul ends verse 44 with, because the Corinthians needed this. He's like, Hey, you Corinthians, if there's a natural body, there's going to be a spiritual body. Stop saying there's not a resurrected body. Okay? Now, there's so much more you could say on that, but he moves now to from the old creation, now he moves to the new creation in his argument. Look at verses 45 through 50. He has explanations from the new creation in Christ. So he's, look, I've illustrated it from the old creation, now I'm going to explain it from the new creation in Christ. And that's what verses 45 through 50 are about. So notice what it says. So also, so let's read together. So also it is written, the first man, old creation, Adam, became a living soul. But the last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit when he was resurrected. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man, old creation, Adam, is from the earth, earthy. The second man, Christ, new creation, second Adam, is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Paul, what in the world are you saying? Verse uh, 49, just as we have borne the image of the earthy in Adam, we will also bear the image of the heavenly in Christ. And then he hits his climax. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable, this body, inherit that which is imperishable in the kingdom to come. So, here's what he does. 
He basically is just contrasting the first Adam's body that was designed by God for the old creation with the second Adam's body, Jesus Christ, that was designed for the new creation. So in verse 45, he says, look, Adam had to be given life. He was made of the earth, and he had to become a living soul. God had to breathe life into him. But the second Adam rose from the dead on his own because he himself was a spirit that gave life. Jesus is a giver of life. We are a receiver of life. And this body, as Randy learned a few years ago, doesn't stay upright unless God enables it to be alive. But Jesus is a life-giving spirit, has a body that gives life, and He can give it to us. That's beautiful. And by the way, He says the first Adam and the last Adam, because when you are ra- when Christ is raised and is a life giver. You don't need any other more atoms. There's not going to be any more creations because now we've got the new creation. He's the last. Listen, if you don't get in on Jesus this morning, you're not getting in on the future. You're part of the old and the old is passing away. Behold, all things are going to become new. You've got to get in on the last Adam. 46 through 47. First, a body is made from the earth and it's suited for the earth. But Jesus has a resurrected body that was made from heavenly stuff suited for heaven. And then finally, 48 through 49, now our created bodies bear the image of earthy Adam. And what kind of body are we going to have? We're going to bear the image of heavenly Jesus, a heavenly body. So, let's answer the question that we... We've illustrated it. We've explained it. Now, let me give you... Now, now you're like, okay, that's, that, all, that theology kind of gets me. Well, first of all, we need to learn theology. So, thanks for hanging. Now, let me give you six characteristics based on everything we've seen. Okay, six characteristics. Are you ready? So, what kind of bod from God will we get when we rise up? Well, number one, the kind of body God chooses to give us. Now, that sounds like a smart aleck answer, but it's a good... Bible answer. It's verse 38. I love how uh, every translation of the Bible translates the key word in this verse differently. But God gives it a body just as He wished, New American Standard, planned, the NET, chosen, ESV, pleases, New King James, determined, NIV, wants it to have, NLT. They all said it different, but they all said the same thing. God decides. God determines. God says. Now, there's the ultimate answer to how are the dead raised. God does it. Yeah, but, but how does He do it? God does it. Yeah, but I want to understand it. it. It's God's doing, so it's God's business. Just leave it to God. But what kind of body are we going to have? I want input. No. He is the Creator. And He has chosen and determined. But I don't want... The Corinthians were saying, I don't want a body. And they're saying, I'm sorry, if you're a believer, you're going to get one. Because you're not in charge. You know, sometimes we need to surrender our curiosity to what is actually revealed in Scripture and be at peace with that. God is, but here's the glory of it God will give us the kind of body that will most glorify Him and will be for our greatest good and deepest joy in the life to come. 
God is willing and able to give us the kind of body that is best suited for living in His presence for all eternity in the millennial kingdom and in the new creation. That's what we have. Number two, the kind of body that is one per individual. Now, let's all say amen to that. This is not the Borg. We are not Star Trek. We will not be assimilated into the life force of the universe like in Near Eastern mysticism. You get your body, I get my body. That's kind of a, you know, us Americans like that, right? Individualism. Individualism is a gift from God as well. Because he says, a body to each. A body to each. Number three, the kind of body that is uniquely you. That is uniquely you. God um, God is pleased with the individual that you are in Him. A body of its own. So, you're not going to be in mine. I'm not going to be in yours. It's going to be me. And I'm not going to be anyone else. And you're going to be you. And you're not going to be anyone else. But it's going to be a different you. A powerful, glorified perfect, sinless, new and improved model. Number four, the kind of body that is same but different. See, he still uses the seed illustration. It's the kind of body that is the same but different. Verse 38, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. Which means it's going to be this body, but it's going to be different. I, 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 can't, I can't explain it any further than that. Go look at a pumpkin if you want to get more insight. Go look at a watermelon. Number five, the kind of body that is like Christ's resurrected, glorified, exalted body. This is in verse 49. His whole, basically he takes us from earth to space in order to get us focused on the new creation and say this. In the old creation, our body is in the image of Adam. What kind of body are we going to have in the, new, in, the, in the resurrection, in the regeneration, in the new creation? We're going to have a body that's in the image of Christ's resurrected body. And his body is glorified, exalted, and resurrected. And then number six, the kind of body that is designed for the glory of the coming kingdom and new creation. And that's the point of verse 50. Now I say to you this, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom, nor does perishable. This body can't enter the new creation. I must have a body. I must have a new body. That just like a fish has a body to swim in the ocean, just like a bird has a body to exist in the air and fly and soar, just like the stars have bodies that can exist in voidless space and reflect tremendous glory, you and I are going to have a body that's suited to live in the king coming kingdom, the new creation, a body suited to live in the presence of God Himself and to reflect all of His glory for all of eternity. That's what we have. That's our hope. And it should change. It should change us. So let me give you four takeaways. Here's four takeaways. Number one, 
Don't reject the truth of bodily resurrection just because you don't fully understand how it will happen. Amen? Just because you can't, just because you can't logically reason it out, submit to the revelation of God and say, it will happen. Number two, only fools, Paul said it, not me, don't email me. Only fools who are ignorant of God in the Bible will deny the truth of bodily resurrection. Quit thinking like an unbeliever and start putting faith in the revealed Word of God. Number three, death is a transition to a much better, more glorious, spiritual, heavenly body. You can offer hope to a believer in a cancer ward. You can offer hope to a believer who is born crippled. You can offer hope to the malformed and mutated bodies of this fallen world because there is a death and a transition to a better body. And then number four, resurrection is transformation. And by the way, that transformation started when you got saved and were risen in Christ, and that transformation ought to continue until the day you die. Live a resurrected life. The Corinthians got that right. What they got wrong was denying what is not yet. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for enabling us by your Spirit to understand theology. Thank you for giving us a Bible so we can discern sound doctrine. Father, thank you for giving us hope beyond the grave. And Lord, our bodies are decaying. They are weak. And in a sense, they bring us often shame and dishonor because they're, they're often embarrassing and we get messed up on our identity. But Lord, we've got a perfect body coming. Let us not reject our bodies, but realize they will be sown as one thing. They will be raised as something better. And that better will still be me. And it will still be the people in this room. But we will be like you. Lord, let us not hide this hope but share it with the lost and let it shine in how we live. In Jesus' name, amen.